Amen? Amen. And I want to thank God for Harvest Bible Fellowship, looking out at friends that we have had uh, since our kids were in school here. I was thinking about that today. Uh, let's see. Rob will be 40 this year, or next, this coming year, or this coming fall. <coughs> but they all graduated from the school here, and we thank you for that. You know, it's good to see folks that are our age still serving the Lord. And it's exciting to see the music and the young people that are going to be serving the Lord if he tarries long after we're gone. So God bless them. Amen. That's an exciting thing. Encourage them along. Look with me in your Bibles today. This being Love Sunday. Uh, my, this is a book of love, isn't it? Um, 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. I want to read to you the first three verses there. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Every man that hath this hope purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Father, I pray today that uh, we would come to understand, Lord, more fully, and Lord, we'd all be reminded of the kind of love you have for your children. Well, Father, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I was born and reared in Michigan on a farm. And uh, when I was 10 years of age, I, I trusted Christ as my Savior. My father was sick with cancer at the time. And I just turned 11 in July, and he died in August. And uh, I, I, I felt so low. Uh, my dad was the lover of the family. My mom was a disciplinarian, a wonderful, wonderful mother, strong. In fact, in so many ways, stronger than my dad. But my dad was the, he was the tickler. He was the come and sit on my lap. Uh, he, uh, he loved his children. Uh, when I was just young enough to remember, he built a box, a wooden box, on the back of the tractor, just under the tractor seat. And he put a blanket in there, and he would haul me around the field as he, because he wanted to be with his children. The, the loss that I, that I felt when he was taken away, I, I think that uh, shaped my life a lot more than I, than I thought it did as I look back at it. I remember uh, after school, hitchhiking home from high school. There was an auto shop there, another gas station. I would stop into these gas stations because men were there. I'd pump gas for free just to hang out with some of the men. A man owned a body shop. I met him. I'd, I'd stop by and uh, work on cars for free. We had a neighbor who hired me. His, his, his son was my best friend growing up. He was the only neighbor we had out on the farm. And I'd work in the apple orchard. and I'd work with his son. And, and once in a while, the man would put his arm around me and he'd say, how you doing, son? 
tell you how that... That's what I wanted. That's what I needed. To be called a son. I remember I was 13 and I'd work all day with his son. I'd go in and he'd pay me every day. Dollar an hour. And every night I'd stop by their house. He'd, you know, click out eight, ten dollars, whatever we worked. And his son would go in and I would go home. I said, oh, wow, I wish I could stay there just to be a son. One night I was praying as a young teen. Shut my room. I didn't want anybody to see me cry. I said, Lord, why did you take my dad? I don't have a father. You know what the Spirit of God said? I will be a father to you. I'll be a father to you. And you know what? He's been all of these years. Many years later, I was in Bible college preparing for ministry. Dr. Harold Wilmington, Liberty, uh, Liberty uh, University now, uh, he got up one day teaching the Bible college students. He's a turnover in Psalm. He pointed out a verse, I'll be a father to the fatherless. Tears ran down my cheeks. I, I said, I didn't know it was in the Bible, but I knew it was true. And I thought, you know, talking about love today, the greatest love I know is that God calls us his sons. What a love. He calls us his sons. He said, behold, you know, I, I, I like science. I, I listen to the Ken Ham debate. You know, I like, you know, no matter how far you look out there, you see more galaxies and this and that. And, you know, it shows the power and the grandeur of God. But here John says, behold, I want to show you something. Behold the love of God. That God would take sinners like me and make us his sons. And he said, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Let us look at the manner of that love. It's one thing to love someone. It really doesn't cost me to say I love you. All right? But God, it costs him his own son. What a, what a, who could understand that? That God so loved me and you that he gave his eternal son. That he would become a man. His son, die for me. That the father could show his love for me. That's, that's an incredible thing. And, and his love, he said... Look at this love that the Father hath bestowed upon us. I don't know about you, but I, I got the pastor said he is a a workaholic. I think there are a lot of workaholics in, in Christianity. And we work so that God will love us. Isn't that right? Have we all done that? Well, I better read my Bible. God won't love me. I, I won't. It won't be just right. Better do this. Better do that. You know, as I thought about this last few days, 
God's love is never earned. It's just bestowed. God never says, do this and I'll love you. He said, do this because I love you. And I thought, you know, my, my job is not to gain the love of God. My job is to respond to it. Isn't that right? I don't have to gain it. I've got it. I just need to respond. That's what God is asking. He said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a love. We can love folks that love us. Amen. I, 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 uh, one thing that uh, I miss at Open Door, I miss my friends. I miss our family. That's been our family for 37 years. We love family. That's, that's our family. And uh, uh, I, I, I missed, uh, yesterday I went to a funeral of a man whose mother died. That man had been teaching at Open Door Baptist Church since 1980. Since 1980. Gary Bolin. I married him and his wife. He was just, just a young man. You know, he's getting ready to retire. Isn't that something? But I thought, I've I got to go to that funeral because, man, that man is, he's, he's stood, he stood with me so many times. He's helped me so. And so many men like that. You know, it, it's not hard to love those folks, but God loved me when I was at a center. You know, I prayed before I got saved. I was thinking about it the other day. I, I, was, I was in church, sitting down on that side, about 400 people there as a young boy, 10 years old. And I, was, I happened to be alone. I think my mom was at the hospital visiting my dad, and I probably rode into church with a neighbor. I don't know how I got there. And I was just sitting by myself, and God's Holy Spirit was convicting me that I need to trust the Lord Jesus. And you know what my first prayer was? Leave me alone. Just leave me alone. And my, my second prayer is, there's got to be people here worse than me. Did you ever feel that way? There's got to be people. Lord, why are you bothering me? And then I thought, if I can just wait till this thing is over, I'll feel better on the way home. I thank God he didn't answer my prayer. He didn't leave me alone. And that day I came to know Christ. I didn't realize all the ramifications. I don't realize it now. When I get to heaven, I will. But I got a father that day. You realize that when you trust the Lord Jesus, you get a father. That's a, that's a hard thing for folks. Over these, these years of ministry, I've had people call me on the phone like Saturday night before Father's Day. One lady called and said, are you going to talk about fathers tomorrow? And I said, well, yeah, I'm going to talk about fathers. She said, well, I won't be there. Can't, I cannot hear you talk about fathers. My father was such a bad man. You, you know what I mean? A lot of people never had that. I've seen men 70 years old burst into tears when I walked across the parking lot with my arm around my son. And I walked up to this man 70. He's 91 now. I said, what's the matter? He said, I saw you walking with your son. My father never told me he loved me. Love's a pretty important thing, isn't it? But thank God for the love of God. If you never had an earthly father who loved you, behold the love of God, that we should be called the sons of God. He said uh, the, the results of that love, he said that well, one of them is uh, the, the world knows us not. You know what I mean? I mean they, don't, they know you, they just think you're weird. <laughs> they don't understand you. Isn't that right? 
my wife and I uh, had a little boy born. This, the, we came in uh, 1977. He was born January of 78. He lived five months, and he went to be with the Lord. And uh, he, he was a, a special needs little boy. And uh, we were in the hospital. I'm 28 years old. We left everything. We had nothing. But we had the Lord, and how the Lord comforted us. And I, I, I was riding an elevator with one of our doctors, and, uh, you know, I, I was taught that doctors are just so much smarter than anybody else, you couldn't really talk to them. And the doctor looked to me and he said, I don't understand you. I said, why? He said, I know that you love your son. He said, I know that you have faith. But he said, you also, you're a realist. You realize how serious this is. But you're here day and night. You know, there's a strength that the Lord gives his children. Amen? He just takes care of things. and He gives us a peace that nobody else can understand. Isn't that right? He gives us a peace that nobody else can understand. When that little boy died, a church, I don't know how many we had, 50, 60 people, something like that. But, I mean, we've only been there two years or a year and a half. And oh, it amazed me, the love of people, how they helped us. And uh, I was praying with my wife one night. And I said, honey, I think there's people here in the church that are hurting more than we are. You know what? God was ministering. In the most difficult times of life, he just ministered to us. That's, that's the result of the love of God. Uh, there's something else about the love of God. It, John 15, the great chapter on abiding, a little later on he said, Now, uh, I've not called you servants. I've called you friends. He said, A servant doesn't know what his Lord's doing. But I've told you everything that the Father's told me. And I thought, you know, after the cross, we're more than friends. We're sons. There's an intimate knowledge for the believer. Do you believe that? There's an intimate knowledge. I look at this world. I, you know, you got, I got to be careful how much news I listen to. Because that's, I don't get God's point of view when I listen to the news. You see, I get some negative and this and that and everybody, what a mess. No, I, the world's a mess. That's why Jesus came. Why, certainly it's a mess. That's why they need the gospel of the Lord Jesus. I've got to have a biblical world view. There's an intimate knowledge. Sometimes I'll have funerals, and I've had a lot of funerals. I, I, I haven't been doing much preaching, but I've been doing funerals. I've got people in our church that, okay, we can get another pastor, but you're going to have to do my funeral. I thought, well, you won't know. But, uh, yeah, but, uh, well, some of them will. But, uh, you, you know, uh, sometimes when I do a funeral, I'll be over at... Uh, Grove Place Cemetery there on Chilai Avenue behind L. Bean, uh, Leo Bean Funeral Home. I call L.L. L. Bean, but it's Leo, Leo Bean Funeral Home, and uh, I go back there. And sometimes if I'm back there, I'll look for that little stone that says Jason Thomas Hauser. I remember standing there. I don't visit graveyards because they're not there. But I stood there one day, like Brother Ken here. Folks were beating up on me pretty good. 
And I stood there and looked down at that little tombstone. I don't make a practice of talking to the devil, but I talked to him that day. And I said, if that's the best you can do, it's not enough. My boy's in heaven. You haven't done anything. You haven't done a thing. He's in heaven. We'll be together forever. You know, that's, that's the hope of the children of God. It's not just here, but... And thank God, you know, there's this, this intimate relationship with the Father. Uh, a, few, uh, a few months ago, Pastor Ken was up to my... I don't know what to call it. I, a celebration, I guess. Ministry celebration. I don't want to call it retirement, but I'm not retired. So uh, it was... Uh, I, I, kinda, I was just kind of hoping somebody would come to it. <laughs> they said they were having it at First Bible Baptist Church. That's a big church. And uh, I thought, boy, you probably have it in the basement of our church. But uh, they, uh, it was a good thing. But, you know, uh, uh, I forgot what I was going to say about it. But uh, uh, the uh, uh, a wonderful remembrance. But I thought about that. Uh, there's this intimate knowledge, this fellowship with God. And as I sat there, I thought, all the folks that said things so nice. I looked at folks that had, we, we had had an opportunity to preach to, and they got saved, and they had grown their families there. And I looked at, you know, almost 40 years of ministry. And I was overcome by one thing, what God had done. And I thought the greatest privilege in the world is to walk with God. The greatest privilege, not see what I can do, but see what he can do. He'll surprise you what he can do, because he's your father. He's, he, just, uh, he just loves to show you his love. And, and really, that's what we're, we're called upon, not, not just to labor, but to enjoy him. And I think the greatest privilege of ministry is to be workers together with God. You know, sometimes we lose sight of that some days. I do. Remember, I knocked on doors for two and a half months down here in Henrietta, and not one person trusted Christ. We were going to start church in Henrietta. Can you believe that? Years ago, before I ever met Pastor Newhart, just that, that just sounded like the, the, the rational thing to do. Nobody got saved. Two and a half, I mean, we're talking ten weeks in the winter. No, nobody got saved. I've, I was up in our little apartment there on Thurston Road, and I began to complain to the Lord. And I said, I can't understand this. I'm not much of an evangelist. I know that's not my gift. But somebody... Yeah, no, I should have found somebody that was, you know, just coming down off a drug high that wanted to get saved. You know, something. I should have found somebody that was half out of their, you know, you know how that goes if you're a soul winner, right? Uh, I didn't find, and I, and I said, Lord, since I moved to Rochester, I said, I know you called me here. You haven't done anything. Now, that's intimate fellowship, isn't it? You haven't done anything. And then I said, Lord, forgive me, you have. You've provided for us. You gave us an apartment to live in. You've given us food to eat. And you paid the bill. And you know what the Lord said? If I want you in Henrietta, I'd give you a house there. I was a country boy. When we moved in, I thought we were living in the ghetto. There was no grass around this apartment. It was all blacked up. I'd never seen anything like it. 
And I swallowed hard. I went downstairs. I didn't tell my wife what the Lord said. But I said, I'm not going to Henry today. I'm going to knock on doors right around the church, right around the house. She said, okay. I knocked on the first block. Guess what happened? Two people got saved. Buddy, I was encouraged. You know what? It was an intimate fellowship with the Lord. You know what I said coming home that day? If I have to do this every day, until you come or until I die, it's okay. If I never get a church started and everybody thinks I'm the biggest flop in the world, this is what you've called me to do. And I want to do it. There was a joy of fellowship. What, what a love God has bestowed upon us. That he, he not only just loves us, He takes us into His family. He calls us His son. He talks with us. Amen? We, we, we sing that song. Pastor Sam sings it a lot at funerals. He walks with me and talks with me. Well, what's he saying? Amen? Uh, we have blessings in this life, how God provides. I, you know, I found something out over the years. That sometimes you see people struggle, 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 and it doesn't seem like there's any provision. And I'm talking about financial provisions. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, they, they don't have enough to eat. They don't, it's really difficult. I, I can't judge what God's doing in their lives. But I, I, I think I've discovered one thing. That God is into taking care of me. When I am an obedient child of God. I, I, I think that's it. I, I think he really lavishes things on me when I, when I try to be obedient. And since we've retired, if the Lord not provide our needs, and I, I said, you know what, I better go back to what I did that first month. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. You know, that's what God did. All the... All those years, not just the first few months, but for 37 years, took care of us. There's so many exciting things. You know when God does things, it's more important. It's just more exciting, more memorable than when you do it for yourself. I remember one time I was uh, praying. We were, we were, we, my wife and I had sold our home, and we gave most of the money to the church to buy the first church building. We were in a rented building. And uh, another family sold their home. We sold our home. And uh, it, it helped buy this church building. And the church building had two, two houses on it. So we were going to live in one. I told my wife we'd just live there. Well, it was a big old house. had a fireplace. had a wood stove. And being raised on a farm, I knew about cutting wood. And I said, you know what? That would be kind of fun for the kids and us and get out in the country. And I said, uh, so I told my son, I said, uh, uh, he's just a little guy. I said, let's pray for a chainsaw. And he said, okay. So we did. I went to church Sunday morning, preaching to the Seventh-day Adventist church. That's where we met at. And uh, after church, a young man, about 19 years old, tall man, tall boy, named Fred, he come. He said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. He'd never come before. He came with another gentleman that brought him. And uh, we sat up on the platform. There's a little pew there. Sat down. And he said, I, I need to know Jesus. I took my Bible and went through the gospel and led him to Christ. I said to Fred, I said, you want to pray? He said, yeah. 
And he prayed and asked the Lord into his life. And, and this is the strangest thing. It, I'd never met this boy before. I'd never told anybody about our prayer for a chainsaw. He raised his eyes in prayer, looked me in the eyes, and the first thing he said is, do you need a chainsaw? I thought, what? He's 19 years old. Do you need a chainsaw? I said, as a matter of fact, Fred, I do need a chainsaw. He said, well, I got one. You can have it. Isn't that something? It was a nice home light. It was an older one. But I went and got it and used it. And, you know, then uh, I thought, this is a pretty good idea. This is a pretty good thing. And uh, I, I told the kids, I said, you know, uh, Rob, let's, let's, uh, this is an all right chainsaw, but steel chainsaw. That's top of the line. I said, let's pray for a steel chainsaw. <laughs> and I prayed for a steel chainsaw. And we, we had moved out of the church house there and bought a little house on Copley Street. And my neighbor... Uh, he was an African-American man, one arm, born with one arm, and he was a big guy, strong. And uh, uh, he'd, he'd start coming to church some. And uh, uh, finally he got saved, started the church. He's with the Lord now. He died. But uh, uh, he, he came, knocked on my door one day, and he said, Pastor. And I said, yeah, what can I, what can I do? He said, my, I need a jump. He said, I, I got the jumper cables, got my car right out front. And I said, oh, yeah, I, I can jump your car. So I jumped his car, and, and he opened his trunk to throw in the jumper cables, and inside his trunk was a steel chainsaw. I mean, a big, this big. Brand, I look like brand new. And I said, Peter, what are you doing with that saw? He said, well, he said, uh, I used to own a bar. See, he got saved. He got out of that. He owned a bar down Main Street. And he said, a guy came in and said, you know, give me $50 for this chainsaw. And I said, sure. And I said, do you want to sell it? And he held up that one arm. that was. He said, I might as well. I can't use it. <laughs> he said, Pastor, you need that chainsaw? I said, yeah. He said, well, you can have it. I thought, you know what? Now I could buy a chainsaw. And I did. Down at Tractor Supply. It's not nearly as precious as the two God gave me. You know what? Don't worry about being young. Don't worry about not having. Sometimes not having is the greatest thing in the world because your father knows what you have need of. And you know what? He'll do things for you that he doesn't have to do just so you'll know that he loves you. He delights in it. What, what a wonderful father we have. L last month, uh, well, the last couple of years have been kind of different for our family, a little different. Uh, things going on. We live next door to our daughter and uh, her husband, uh, Amy and Brett. They have four natural children, so we there's a path between our house and the kids. It's a lot of fun. They'll play in the snow, then they'll come over and get candy. And parent, uh, we, we can just do all kinds of things to aggravate the kids. So uh, a year and a half ago, a year ago, September, Brett and Amy believed that God had called them to work with orphans. That, what, a, what a wonderful thing. They said, that, that, said, God just put this on our heart. And they began a year-long process of adopting a little boy from China. They picked him up. He's three and a half years old. His name is Micah. And I remember bringing Micah home. He wouldn't let my daughter out of his sight. He was afraid this just wouldn't last. 
Can you imagine? Didn't know the language. They just went and got him. The orphanage brought him. Boom. They left. He doesn't understand English. It was a, it was a hard transition. It took about a, it's, it's taken about a year for him to just act like a normal four-year-old now. And now he's secure, and he's just loving, and he's having fun. It's just it's transformed his life. You know, when you come to the Lord Jesus, you just don't know much about love, do you? It takes you a while. To, he loves me. Now, after Mike had been with them, I don't know, six months or so, they decided that worked out pretty good. We'll go get another one. Last month, we went and got a little boy. I had a chance to go and uh, to China, pick up a little boy named Drew. He's 20 months old. But we, we've had pictures of him. It was an amazing thing to watch. I watched my daughter, my son-in-law, and even my wife and I, and little Micah, look at that picture. You know what? Never, never a thought, is he ours? He's ours. We loved him, and he never knew it. He was ours. He was chosen. He never knew it. We showed Micah little pictures of him, and I've got pictures on my, on my uh, iPad. Pictures from the orphanage. This little boy is never smiling. He's standing up in his crib, and he's got the biggest frown. And, and we showed it to his little, little brother, Micah, who had just been there a year and a half before. And he looks at that picture, and he says to my daughter, he's sad. And she said, Micah, why is he sad? He said, because China's a sad place. You know what? When you and I look around the world today, that person is driving at you. <laughs> that person is going by you, saying, they're not, they're sad. Why are they sad? Because this world's a sad place. Amy said to him, why is China a sad place? You know what he said? Because there's no mummies there. There's no mummies there. There's nobody who loves you. Isn't that what we're looking at today? We look at folks, and we showed him pictures of little Drew, and he says, even though he was clinging to his mother, he said, go to China and get him and bring him home. I thought, you know what? When you've experienced the love of God, we need to reach out to others that have not. I think sometimes we've been saved too long. We've lived in the family too long. We've become too comfortable. We forgot what it was before. And that little boy who's four now taught me something. Go get him. And bring him home. And that's what we did. And now Drew's been there a month. And Micah came up to his mother the other day. And the conversation went something like this. Are you my forever mummy? 
That's what she called. I'm, this is your forever family. She said, yes, Micah. You're my, you're my forever mommy. Yes, Micah. Mommy, would you be Drew's forever mommy too? You know, this love needs to be shared. Amen? This love needs to be shared. It, it's not something that I just enjoy myself. It needs to be shared. You, you and I, we don't have to go to China to find someone that needs love. We don't need to go to China to find someone who needs a father. Don't be afraid if they never smile. They probably have nothing to smile about. But they could have. Amen. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. The world knows us not. They don't understand it. People say, you got four kids? You got two more and a foster child? They don't understand. It's the love of God. It's the love of God. When we were at Seventh-day Adventist Church, the pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, we, we outgrew the Seventh-day Adventist Church. They had the building. They had about 40 people. We had 140 when we moved out. And, and the young pastor said, man, he said, you've only been here two years and you've got your church built. I said, I hope it's not built. Amen. I hope it's not built because there are orphans all around us. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, thank you for your love that required the unspeakable gift of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the love in that family, the protection in that family, the provision in that family, or all of the good things, the hope of that family. Thank you for eternity. But Lord, help us to reach out to those who have no hope, to those that have never been loved, for those who do not know what we know. Lord, I pray that you would grant us the privilege of laboring in your, your family. Lord, thank you. We pray, Lord, if there's someone here today who's never trusted Christ. You know, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, have you trusted Jesus Christ? You know, I, I, I prayed when I got saved. I didn't know a lot about it. Nobody ever told me that's how you got saved. Nobody ever told me I was saved. But you know what? From that day to this, I've had a father. Been a relationship. Listen, that's what you want is a relationship. I don't want to go through a protocol. I want a relationship with God. Jesus Christ died that you could know the Father. 
If you've never trusted Christ, why don't you ask him into your heart and your life today? Trust him today. There's nothing we could do. His love has to be given to us. But just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for going my own way. I've rebelled against you. I'm coming home today. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. If you're a believer today, you know, to walk in love, always responding to that love. Be intimate with the Father. It'll take care of a lot of arguments. My job is not to straighten everybody out. My job is to love the children of God. My job is to love God and to love others. When you don't know what to do, fall back on that. Love God. Love others. Thank you, Father, for your love now. In Christ's name, amen. Pastor.